and welcome to the Globe PX podcast. As spring is blooming in our beloved state, we are cognizant of the many global crises that impact us all. We hope that this podcast provides connection, content, and support to Oregon's hub of global changemakers. My name is Andrea Johnson, and I am the chair of the Global PDX Advisory Board and the Executive Director at Greed Empowerment. In today's Speaking Change podcast, I am joined by Derek Olson. Derek is the president of World Oregon, where he leads their work to connect Oregon with the world. He serves on the board of directors for the World Affairs Council of America and Global Ties USA. Derek served as a foreign service officer for the U.S. Department of State with four overseas tours and time in Washington, D.C. before moving back to his home state of Oregon, a true Oregonian. Welcome, Derek. Thanks, Andrea. It's great to uh, see you. Thanks so much uh, for inviting me on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. It's exciting to have you here. I know that a lot of the topics and things going on in the world um, are relevant to what you guys are working on right now. So exciting to to share some of that with our listeners. So maybe just to get started, you could tell us a bit more about World Organ. You know, what are some of your programs and how do they connect to current world events? Sure. Great. Well, um, World Oregon, uh, which was founded in 1950 as the World Affairs Council of Oregon, uh, has the mission of connecting Oregon with the world. And we have three kind of major efforts in that area. Uh, what we call the Global Classroom, which is focused on students and teachers in the K-12 through area. International Visitor Program, where we connect through the U.S. Department of State to international visitors from around the world, both youth and adults. And our public programs, or global conversations as we call them, where we have speakers uh, and art and films and trivia and different ways of connecting our community with experts on issues. And so, you know, as we kind of planned this podcast, you and I had a chance to speak beforehand. So maybe you could give our listeners an example of a current or recent program that you feel like emphasizes kind of some of what you guys are focused on right now. Sure. Well, a good one that uh, kind of brings several of these elements together is something we're partnering with the U.S. Department of State on, the International Women of Courage, uh, where the State Department is lifting up uh, women leaders from around the world, uh, primarily from developing countries that have done amazing work in things from ranging from the environment to uh, gender equality to entrepreneurism. And uh, World Oregon is one of the local partners who is partnering to highlight that work and put on a uh, webinar, um, virtual webinar for our community so they can hear about that work. Um, and uh, it's, it's a good combination, really, of our work with international visitors and hearing their expertise, as well as bringing then that uh uh, knowledge and learning to the local community through a webinar. And so we're excited to be doing that. And, it, and it's a good example of a lot of the webinars that we do with experts, both uh, academic and uh, from diplomacy, and also those who have really lived experiences uh, in some of the hot issues of our day. That seems like a really great example. I know that that um, is happening mid-April, so folks might already be tuning into that. Uh, I think it's your team's kind of in the works planning it as we're recording this podcast. Right. Um, so I happen to know that you've been in your role for six years because we actually started very similarly and got introduced when we both um, joined our respective organizations. So six years in your role, two years of those with COVID kind of obviously impacting your work so much that involved international visitors and live in-person events. Um, so rather than talking about that, because that's kind of everybody's reality right now, maybe you right. could share, you know, what do you see kind of as your role um, from your position, what are the priorities that you guys have as an organization beyond just the programs themselves? Sure. 
Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. This, these last couple of years have been, I think, a form of experience for all the organizations that survived it. And first of all, we're very grateful that we have survived with the support of the community and our partners, both locally and nationally. But it has also been a chance really to reflect uh, uh, on our values and our mission and the terrible events uh, of the pandemic, as well as um, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the terrible police murders of um, black citizens, including George Floyd, really had a very strong impact on World Oregon, as it has with many other organizations, and um, was a catalyst to jump into higher gear, uh, our work on diversity, equity, inclusion. And so we have spent a lot of time during the pandemic um, with the help of uh, a committee of the board that we put together and an outside consultant to look at what does diversity, equity, inclusion mean to the organization? How does that connect with our imperative to expand our statewide engagement, since we are the World Affairs Council of Oregon, not the World Affairs Council of Portland? And, you know, really, as the state has um, grown and diversified, how do we reflect those changes in, in an ever sort of uh, positive reinforcement circle of improving our programs uh, for local and international uh, engagement. And so that has been a real area of, of sort of, I guess, inner reflection uh, with assistance and um, then trying to pivot towards what does that mean for the programs for our members and the wider public. That's great. I think that's a really nice way to share how you can take a movement and actually use it to do some real work and getting kind of, you mentioned paid support and really your organization involved. I think, you know, my impression definitely of, you know, a world affairs council is not necessarily always been the most accessible for everybody historically. So it's, it's great to hear that you guys are kind of focusing on, on that and making those programs represent the Oregon community as well as the international affairs piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a couple of years ago when we rebranded to doing business as uh, World Oregon, part of that emphasis was really try to better reach out to the Oregon of the uh, 21st century and um, not, you know, the Oregon of when it was founded. And so we're retaining our strong history and connection with, you know, members and what we've done in, in a positive way, but also trying to pivot and change. And that was, um, I think, a necessary uh, adaptation that helped us be prepared better for the more intensive work that we're now doing related to uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and how can we make sure that we are not seen as an elitist or, uh, you know, clubby organization, but rather one that is open to all where we try to make the vast majority of our programs free or low cost and uh, really sort of to borrow the public radio approach to things. If people are able to help fund our programs, then wonderful. That's fantastic. And if you're not, that's okay because the generosity of your neighbors and foundations and companies in the area make most of our programs then, you know, free or low cost for you. And so it's, it's really, you know, I think that the, the shift of virtuals helped sort of uh, underline that approach. Yeah, that's really great. I also feel like it sounds kind of like a less traditional approach to international affairs. Do you see that shift happening on a national scale as well? I know that you're really active with the World Affairs Councils of right. America group as well. 
That's a good question. Uh, I mean, there will always be the place for, you know, um, a senior official reflecting back, you know, whether it's their memoirs or their experiences. And as I grow older <laughs> towards the, uh, you know, thinking myself as a, as a senior official looking back, uh, uh, you know, there's always an important place for that. And at the same time, we have really tried to shift. So we have more and more speakers, which is our sort of higher profile event for those that are actively making change now. So rather than sort of sharing, quote unquote, war stories, it's um, sort of talking about the work they're doing as a policymaker, as an activist, as a journalist. Um, and we mix that in with those sort of reflecting upon their uh, roles over time. And I think uh, it can both sort of um, you know, value the heritage uh, of the organization and um, those who have done amazing things in the field of international affairs and bring in more people who have unique lived experiences who are maybe not just an academic expert on a topic, but have lived in that country or maybe are part of a diaspora community. And so I think it's a richer uh, weaving of that. I, I've seen a lot of that reflected in our sister world affairs councils around the U.S., um, and especially in the local level in Washington, D.C., it's often tends to be, you know, some of the more traditional speakers you might imagine. And uh, so the national organization working with local councils has been working very hard to diversify and to expand our, uh, you know, who is a speaker for a program, because um, it, 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 I think it's critical if we are to connect with and reflect the communities we serve. So you're talking quite a bit about speakers. Is this um, part of the upcoming speaker series? Do you maybe want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So one thing that we're known for, probably our most prominent uh, public engagement, is the International Speaker Series, which was founded by our uh, former president, uh, Jeff Merkley, who now, of course, is the uh, junior senator from Oregon. And so 22 years ago, he founded the International Speaker Series. And ever since then, it has been a premier place to gather with world leaders that have ranged from Hillary Clinton to the Dalai Lama to Nicole Hannah-Jones. And mostly done in person, of course, like everything else, adapted for virtual. And we're doing it again virtually this year. It's kicking off probably about the time that this podcast will be released with Soledad O'Brien, the journalist, and will include, you know, um, engagement in a number of topics, including looking at uh, tribal sovereignty and the international, the idea of international with the U.S., with many nations within it, which is, um, uh, you know, I think a, a key topic, especially in the Northwest, and looking some at the uh, terrible rush Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine with uh, expert Fiona Hill uh, that many people know of. She will be talking about from sort of a policy perspective as well as then we have a, uh, a journalist talking about it, a, a photojournalist that is, um, with some of the images that she's taken both in Ukraine and in other tragic uh, sort of war zones around the world. So it's a chance for us to really engage with the broad community, to invite in students, and, uh, you know, really bring some of the leading thinkers into people's living rooms. So when we talk, you know, you brought up um, the invasion of Ukraine. I feel like it's probably top of mind for all of our listeners and, and is ongoing conflict. How do you see kind of the mission of World Organ fitting into into those types of global issues? Like what how does your role within kind of the organ community um, emphasize the importance of it, bring attention to it? Right. 
no, it's a good question, especially um, since I think it's important for me to realize as someone who grew up in the Cold War and has it sort of as a frame of reference, even though I'm not saying we're in a new Cold War, but I mean, it gives you a frame of reference for uh, R- Russians' uh, aggression. Uh, for many of our you know, community members, especially younger ones, they don't have that frame of reference. And so I think part of it is also um, helping to bring experts or working with a local Ukrainian-American community to be able to highlight things that people may not have the context for um, just because, you know, it's been so many years since the wall fell. Um, and this sort of uh, overall approach to the East-West standoff, uh, it, basically on, on the, in Eastern Europe. Um you know, I what I was I was putting through some remarks for another event the other day, and I was just it really was occurred to me is if we seek to grow peaceful global cooperation and discussion, not necessarily agreement on every issue, but being able to peacefully discuss our differences, then you know, dictatorship, hate, whether it's domestic or international, is is a very big threat to that. And I think so. We came out with a very strong statement about it, backed by our executive committee of our board, really to uh, emphasize how this is a threat and, you know, and there's so many terrible conflicts, unfortunately, in the world, but because of the nuclear standoff is even more critical. And, and that makes it more important to, I think, call out why this is wrong and why organizations like ours and other community partners who are doing citizen diplomacy and people to people exchanges, why it's so important to have those peaceful exchanges and disagreements. And it's really antithetical, everything that President Putin has done. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty devastating to watch. And I think one of the things that I've thought about quite a bit recently is just being able to throw myself into, you know, green empowerment work and work with Global PDX allows me to focus on those small ways that I can have some positive impact. So it's really, I imagine that by creating those spaces for discussion and, and education, it's similarly like world organs. It might be a small piece, but it is an important piece of building awareness and and a more hopefully peaceful global community for sure. Absolutely, and I and I think we on this issue and on other issues uh, like global poverty or the fight against climate change, uh, houselessness is is combining our sort of ability to convene experts and have discussions and have people to people exchanges with with international leaders with other nonprofits, you know, like Green Empowerment that are doing direct service work to communities in crisis. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, whether that's locally in your community through Habitat for Humanity, the work that Green Empowerment does overseas, or a whole host of other ones, we always encourage people to come to our programs to look for ways to get engaged, whether that's through volunteer, through donations, because I I believe that there's both the sort of the short-term impact uh, that nonprofits are working on to to combat these problems, as well as the long-term discussion and, you know, the, the relationships and the sort of background that form that, that if you can't neglect one or the other. Uh, and so I see that as sort of a, a hand in hand. And so we always encourage folks to not only engage with World Affairs Council in their community, but also whatever local charity um, that is helping people in need, be that, you know, in the U.S. or overseas. Yeah, and I think I would emphasize for some of our listeners that might be Global PDX members or folks, you know, like me working in international development, it's really worth staying up to date on the World Organ kind of activities because there have been opportunities for green empowerment over the years to really connect with some of your international visitors. Um, I've got to participate in some really insightful conversations, share resources, lessons learned, and I do think it creates a great opportunity to 
make that connection for those of us that actually are supporting this work abroad. Thanks. And so one thing I think would be interesting for our listeners to hear about, you know, you've, you've highlighted maybe your age a few times, but focusing <laughs> more on your career path might be an interesting perspective as, as you are the leader of World Organ, but how much your time maybe in the foreign service and doing tours overseas, but also being an Oregonian, like how does that kind of shape you as a, as the leader of World Organ now? Right. Well, it's a good question. And, you know, and I sort of mentioned my age sort of jokingly, but I mean, I think, uh, you know, as a a white male uh, in a in a position of leadership um, who's middle aged. I I think I have to be very cognizant of the advantages and the privileges that affords me, and then how do I use my role to help um, you know as with our work on diversity, equity, inclusion to to listen to others who have more experience and knowledge of that area? How do I partner with groups who can expand what we do? How can I draw on my experiences as someone who grew up here, uh, you know, and went uh, sort of went out of state in the eighties for college and then work and then came back to a much more diverse and economically uh, engaged with the world Oregon than when I grew up. And so I try to bring my perspective to that and then connect with all those who have incredible expertise that I don't have, whether that's on our team, on staff, or with, on our boards, or out in community organizations. Um, and, you know, I, when I was talking uh, this morning, actually, to some Oregon uh, State High School Model UN students about how, you know, the revolutionary change, really, of uh, the Oregon economy and to see you know, the critical nature of advanced manufacturing and semiconductors uh, in the Oregon economy and what that means for international trade and investment, that much was not there, you know, when I grew up here in the 70s. Um, and I think that's, you know, kind of like the Cold War discussion. It's something that's not necessarily, you know, for folks who grew up post that uh, change in, in our international connections and economy, they may not realize it or take it for granted. The fact that we are the smallest metro area, Portland that is, to have a nonstop flight to both Asia and Europe, most people don't realize that. And that's not by accident. It's by a lot of hard work from partners in the community in the Port of Portland uh, and Delta Airlines and others to make sure that that happens. And so I think it's sort of an intentional approach to uh, as I was saying to the students, why being aware of global issues and not only want to share you know, what we've done, all the things that are, that are special about Oregon, but also what we can learn from other cultures and try to balance that off. And so that is the approach that I try to take. You know, we don't always hit the mark, but um, that is what, what I try to bring so that my experience can be the benefit of um, those who come to one of our programs. That's great. Super interesting perspective. And I appreciate you you know, just acknowledging um, some of the privilege in, in your experiences and how you can use that for good, right? It doesn't, yeah, know, and for learning. And to reach out when you need help. Like, so, you know, contracting with a, a consultant on strategic planning or on diversity, equity, inclusion, asking board members who have different experiences for what is missing, uh, you know, looking with group, working with groups, not only like Global PDX, which has been a fabulous way to, you know, connect with the, um, community working on international relief and development, uh, but also groups like Partners in Diversity that help um, uh, from, you know, looking to expand uh, diversification of staff and boards and programming. And so, I mean, I've just found that and other groups like Nonprofit Association of Oregon very helpful to provide different perspectives and 
you know, it doesn't mean you have to say you can't be a leader in some areas. In some areas, World Oregon is a leader. And we are also happy to partner and play a background role with other groups in the community if that's more appropriate, depending on the program. I mean, we're partnering with a half dozen different groups right now uh, on a um, some programs recognizing um, genocide that has sadly occurred in many countries internationally and looking back and programs about cultural erasure. And that's, again, one where we partner with a whole bunch of other communities. And sometimes we're helping to moderate. Sometimes we're in the background because um, really through partnership, I think we can lift up those issues more for the community. Well, and I think for those that know Green Empowerment, that resonates and is near and dear to my heart as well. That belief that, you know, we're stronger together and having authentic partnerships can really advance um, a more equitable world. And in the case of World Oregon, that's helping our state be better connected to the world. So with all this activity coming up, how can folks, what are ways that people could get more involved with World Oregon besides just attending your programs? Are there other ways to be engaged? Sure. Well, um, we're excited just about time when this uh, podcast will probably be coming out. On April 28th, we're having our annual uh, fundraiser World Quest. And not only is it a chance for people to support the organization uh, through donations, but more importantly, it's a chance for us to report out and share, you know, what's going on. So we have going to have a short video from uh, one of our young leaders in action, a high school alumna who has gone on now uh, to graduate from college and work in, in media and stayed engaged with us, talking about how her work with us, uh, you know, helped uh, in her growth and um, is a chance for our board to connect uh, with the community and really tell some, some stories. And, and, you know, while I never says anything positive about the pandemic, the bright side of the virtual means is we're able to connect with a lot more people. So we'll put this out, you know, virtually, and we'll have uh, a way for really, it's almost like an audio visual annual report of what's gone on with the organization and how people might be able to get back involved with hosting international visitors or engaging with youth or coming to our programs as World Oregon and many other organizations make that transition back to in-person. So I'm looking forward to that. It's always a great way to connect with our community and, um, you know, really to, to let them know how they've helped us survive and, and thrive during the pandemic. That's great. So that's World Quest on April 28th. And I'm assuming folks can go to worldoregon.org to learn more. That's right. Yeah. It'd be great to see people there. And, um, you know, really, uh, we try to meet the community where they're at and hopefully uh, the community members can find what interests them about the work we do. And again, in partnership with all these great local partners through Global PDX and others uh, in, in the community. That's great. So last question I have for you is, you know, I think many of our listeners are probably feeling similar to me right now that the world feels like it's just in crisis after crisis you know, COVID, the recent climate report, Russian invasion of Ukraine, all these things that we've kind of highlighted today, talking to our own political struggles here in the U.S. Um, World Organ really touches all of these in some ways. And so how do you stay motivated and what do you have any optimism to offer? Yeah, it's challenging. Uh, and I would say talking with young people, uh, students is is a great way. Just we owe the next generation so much, and there's some great things our generation have done. Some we're failing them, particularly on climate change, and so we don't have the luxury to get uh, burnt out or uh, tired because these issues are just critical. And so, and and you ever talk to a young person? Uh, you know, I'm thinking especially like high school, college age. It is incredible their openness 
they're sure they're frustrated about the state of things in the world, but they also have that optimism, that sense of um, they could achieve something uh, still that maybe another generation couldn't. And again, just their sheer uh, acceptance of the diversity of the human race. And it's just their engagement with that. It, it is so affirming. And I think it gives one motivation that we, before we hand off that torch to the next generation, we need to do everything we can to to make things in a better place. And so I think whenever you feel burned out, interact with with kids and youth, and it'll just it'll, it'll recharge your batteries and see this is this is why we're doing what we're doing. So I, I just try to remember that. And so whether that's you know high schoolers here locally or high schoolers from Iraq that are coming this summer to uh, engage here, uh, either way, it helps to really um, just remind you why we do what we do. Oh, that is awesome. What a nice message to share with our audience. Well, thank you so much, Derek, for joining me today. And thank you for being a global change maker. Well, thanks so much, Andrea. And I really appreciate um, uh, the opportunity to be here and uh, all the listeners. And I I wish you best. And uh, let's uh, hope for positive, peaceful change in our world. Thanks. So GlowPX is dedicated to keeping you connected and engaged. For resources from this podcast and more, check out our website. If you aren't already a member, please consider joining our GlowPDX community. And feel free to email communications at glowpdx.org with any questions. Stay tuned for new episodes of our podcast and please share with fellow changemakers. makers.